Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I discuss geocaching and my adventures with it. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also sign up for the Geocache Adventures newsletter, which features upcoming episode information, behind the scenes articles, and other fun articles and information. This interview was recorded using Zoom and may sound different than other podcast audio. Hello, everybody. Amy here, Shadow Dragon One, and with me is Scott Miller, the originator of the concept of refreshing the game board. And Scott is here to tell us more about what this concept is and how we can apply it. So before we get into that, Scott, I love to ask my guest, how did you get started geocaching? Okay, uh, got geocaching. Uh on a little hike, my wife actually knew about it, and we went on what would be called a meetup hike now, but it was, you know, long ago before meetup, and she noticed that uh, one of the people who was there uh, had a GPS and asked him, what are you going to go geocaching? His name was Brad, geocaching named Darb, and, uh, and he was an excellent teacher, and in the five miles, I think we probably got five geocaches, he handed her the GPS, let her do all the finding, let us do all the finding. And uh, at the end of it, she was so excited on the way home, we stopped by a sporting goods store and bought her a GPS. And about 10 days later, went to the same store and bought me a GPS. And uh, <laughs> she stopped geocaching after a few months, but I have kept in it since uh, November, 2004. And, wow. Uh, yeah, so been doing it for a little while. That's awesome. So what kind of stats do you have currently? Uh, my current stats, you know, my, <laughs> my dad always said, if you do something long enough and track it, eventually you're going to wind up with some pretty impressive stats. So my current stats as of today are 24,722 finds and 2,004 hides. Um, 777 of them are still active. Wow, that's that's a lot of high, that's a lot of active caches to maintain. <laughs> it really is, and at some point, you know, we're not going to talk about it today. But at some point, if you want to have a guest talk about uh, main the strategies for maintaining caches, I'd love to be a guest again. Well, I think we have a future episode in the in the works now. <laughs> we may just do that. <laughs> okay, so but, but before we let me just make a compliment to you. I cannot believe what a great podcast you have uh congratulations for making the top 10 list of caches to listen to in 2020 um you really are doing a fantastic job you're you have a lot of great content and i have to say uh you are one of the best two uh interviewers um for podcasts you do a great job well thank you very much i really do appreciate that especially considering you've been podcasting about as long as you've been geocaching. Yeah, geocaching a little longer, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get on with uh let's get on with the concept of uh um refreshing the game board. Yeah, so what exactly is refreshing the game board? Well, before I answer the question, let's talk about how we got to this this area. Okay. Um, every time geocaching headquarters would introduce uh, a souvenir in which required people to find geocaches, you'd always hear the lament, 
hey, my area is cached out. There's no place to put a geocache. Um, and eventually they would say, you know, GCHQ should reduce that 528 foot restriction, let's say to 264, divide it in half. And for me, I'm always kind of looking at, well, rather than having, you know, the 66 people at headquarters do something, what can us as, you know, 600,000 geocachers do? So I started to think about that in my head. And then, uh, and then I was listening to another podcast, Geocache Talk, and Jesse, uh, one of the hosts, he was talking about old, you know, geocaches. And he said, you know, those crappy geocaches from inactive geocachers, they have to go. And I thought, you know, here's the opportunity to have the community doing something to in, refresh the game board. So I wound up writing an article for First to Find Geocacher magazine. Um, it appeared in the volume 10, issue one, under the title, Cacher's Lament. And uh, it's just start, kind of started from there. I was going to ask you what inspired the idea, but you, you covered it. So I guess I probably that... should have flipped my question order. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so that's what that's what started it and write, wrote this magazine, uh, wrote this magazine. And, and I just came up with three ideas. And uh, one was, hey, report your DNFs, uh, use the tools that we have at hand as, as geocachers. And let's work to getting some of these, you know, crappy geocaches with inactive high geocachers uh, taken care of. And one of the real principles is, do not, unless you have explicit or implicit permission, do not drop a throwdown. Um, a throwdown gives you a find. An archived geocache that's renewed gives everybody a new find. A throwdown would be they happen to have a replacement container that they just swap out. Is not even correct? swap out they just put it down well they right. just they just they just yeah not swap out they can't find the container they, just they put can't it down find the container so they just go. go ahead and throw down one for them and, and, and a lot of times it's with good intentions you know well they're going to get their own find but they also think oh i'm being very helpful for the co uh, by putting down a new container but if the co is inactive or the co is is not responsible you're really not doing them a favor and you're not doing the game a favor um, by doing it. Um, logging the DNF, it really helps the game. You know, it, it alerts the responsible cash owner. Hey, there could be a problem. You know, you, you did a very nice show on why to log your DNFs. And that's one of the reasons to do it, to let the, the cash owner know, hey, there could be a problem. It also, you know, there are cachers, uh, bless them, who love to hide difficult hides and it's giving them affirmation, hey, this is a difficult hide. This hide is worth the difficult rating that you give it. Uh, and what it really does is it exposes the inactive and irresponsible geocache owner because, you know, and you've seen it and all, all your listeners have seen a geocache that has two, three, four, five DNFs, and the cache owner has done nothing about it. And frankly, 
in my opinion, the game is much better when the game pieces, the game pieces being the geocaches, are in the hands of active and responsible game players. So putting down a, a throwdown isn't doing anybody any favors. So that was, you know, that was the first principle that I had in the article. Uh, the second principle is actually a little bit easier to take care of and a little bit quicker. And that's to consider if one of your geocaches goes missing, rather than maintaining it, rather than just replacing it, maybe you can archive it. And when you archive it, then you can set out a new geocache and <laughs> refresh the game board or provide a new hide for, or a new find for the, the local community. Um, and rather than just replacing it, maybe we can make it a little bit better. You know, maybe we can find a better place for it. Um, maybe we can find a, use a better container. Um, and so I wound up uh, asking myself, can I make this hide at least a little bit better? And if I can't, and I can't look around in the area and I can't make it better, maybe I should just archive it and leave the spot for somebody else. You know, there's new geocachers coming in. If a place is saturated, they have no place to hide their first geocache. So by archiving mine, they may be able to find a place to put one. So that was the second, uh, the second aspect of it. And then the third aspect of the article is consider archiving an active geocache. Your cache is doing fine, it's, but it's been out there for a number of years. All the local people have found it, um, but it's not, you know, and so it's not being found very often. Um, local caches have all found it. When people are coming in to visit your area, they're frequently looking for good geocaches, you know, highly favored geocache. And your guardrail cache just isn't going to get visited very often because there's plenty of other good caches for them to find. So can I, can I, can I archive it? it? Even though it's active, even though everything's okay with it, uh, can I archive it? And again, can I make it a better hide? Maybe make it a different cache type? Maybe give it a different DT rating or, and I was inspired actually by uh, your podcast on either Caching with Kids or it was the little segment uh, that you did for CacheCon, make it kid, kid friendly, you know, go ahead and, you know, just because I don't participate in that aspect of the game doesn't mean that I can't put out a nice geocache for uh Bubby, is that your son's yeah, name? Yeah, <laughs> he goes by Bubby. For, yeah. <laughs> for Bubby, for Bubby to find, or Bubby and his friends, or people like Bubby to find. So, so that was that was that article. Um, yeah, ahead. the the concept of archiving an active cache, I I don't think many cachers would necessarily think of that. Yeah, and and actually, it wound up being kind of difficult and kind of a, a funny uh, part because now I now I feel at this point I've written an article I feel like I'm a, an MBA graduate who has written you know written the thesis and now it's time to go out and put my theory into practice and boy in the first week did I learn some things about my theory 
Well, practicing okay. what you preach is always a great concept to make sure it's actually feasible to do if nothing else. Exactly. So the first day I go out, I've got two geocaches that I've adopted. They've been sent long ago. I've adopted them long ago. One's an LPC, one's in a guardrail. So I go to the LPC and yeah, it's missing. And rather than just put creating another LPC and you know, I'm gonna archive it, I know that. But rather than doing just an LPC, I start looking around. And I find, whoa, there's a better place to hide one. And I go in the back of my car and I open up my little tool chest of uh, geocaches and, and other materials. And by gosh, I, I, I hit a better cache. <laughs> and so that's, <laughs> that's a win-win situation there. Um, next one I go, again, I've adopted. It's a guardrail cache that was hidden long ago. And I get there and I'm like, God, this has been hidden a long time ago. Um, I wonder if it has any significance for, for a month, you know, for a Jasmine. Uh, and I start looking and I look, there's nothing set that month in year of 10 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles, 49.1 miles away in an entire different county. There is a geocache that was set that month and year. And as far as I know, that may be the only, this may be the only geocache in Ventura County that was set that month and year. So my intent was to archive it, but now that I realize that it does have some significance, I just get out my Altoid tin, put it in a log and put it right back in the guardrail, right where it was. So, you know, that that is one of the concepts to consider is, you know, does this cache that I'm gonna archive, does it have, a significant DT rating? Does it have a Jasmine rating? Is there something important about it that I should not archive it and keep it? So that's a part of refreshing the game board. Those are good points. They really were. I know the, the Jasmine is getting harder and harder for people to, to fill those older months and years. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't want to get ourselves into a position where there's only four geocaches set <laughs> in a certain month and year like August current August 2000 currently is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, then a couple of days later, I'm going to go out and I'm going to I'm going to uh, archive another cache that it's been reported missing and not some people are finding it, some people aren't, and clearly it's not hidden where I hit it. As a matter of fact, I know it's not because it's called Back to Nature and it was set on a, on a sign at Lake Casitas that said Back to Nature and that sign has been replaced. And so I know it's not there. Uh, so I get there and I look around and by gosh, I'm able to find it. And it's an eight-year-old geocache um, set during a time when I was setting a lot of geocaches. So I have no worries about Jasmine. And I pick it up and I'm figuring, okay, this is, a, this is a great time to archive this cache. But I have to walk back to the car to get a container. As I walk back to the car, I open it up and by gosh, there's the original log in reasonable shape with all these names of people who I know, many of whom are no longer geocaching. And I get a little, you know, um, 
teary-eyed about the whole thing, for lack of a better word. A little sentimental. <laughs> a little sentimental. Nothing and wrong with that. That's... There is not. So I get out, you know, another pill container, a new pill container. I take the old log and put it in a little baggie, and then I put a nice new clean log in there and put it back uh, as, as much as I could put it back, similar as how I, I had hidden it. And uh, it's not archived. So, you know, That's so that was impressive my... for the original log to still be there and legible at at that point. I've, I've come bottle. across yes. so <laughs> many logs that are just mush and who knows what iteration of log that one was and that's right. pretty neat <laughs> it really was and yeah it really actually surprised me because i had done the research and you know it had only been found twice in 2018 it had been found three times in 2019 and you know nothing the name no longer applies i absolutely expected to to archive that cache and did not <laughs> <laughs> so been doing this for several years i could have example after example of tough decisions but we're going to move on to another article that I wrote for First to Find Magazine, because right. now that I have, you know, I've not only written my thesis and I've now tested it and I've gained new knowledge. Um, I wrote a sec Yeah, I'm going to do a little follow up. So I get together with my good friend, ShareBear64, and say, hey, can we, you write one? And it's and we we put the catching title, don't log that DNF. <laughs> but then we talk about DNFs and and it actually parallels perfectly your episode, um, you know, episode twenty one about DNFs why why you should log them, you know. On, so I got that one right, is what you're saying. <laughs> in my opinion, you got that absolutely right. You know, you talked about it has to be a thorough search, um, and if it's not a thorough search or something else, just go ahead and write a note. Don't don't put that uh you know that label dnf on there because a lot of people do look for that so so we write we write our article and part of that article you know talks about what you had talked about but i'm going to add in here that we have the discussion about needs archived because that mm -hmm. is important to uh refreshing the game board is using that tool to refresh the game board so the important thing about the needs archive, the needs maintenance, that, that sends an email only to the cache owner. Needs archives sends an email to both the cache owner and the community volunteer reviewer. So the reviewer can now look at it. As a matter of fact, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Brian Roth, uh, president of geocaching headquarters. And he said that they were talking about changing that needs archived to needs reviewer uh, attention. Yeah. And they haven't done that. It's been about a year and they haven't done that, but I really wish that they would because, you know, for like geocacher, yeah, you know, here you are a one, you know, you've been geocaching for a year, you've got tremendous knowledge, but I think you might still be a little hesitant to say this needs to be archived. Um, yeah, but that it, just feels like a big you know, it's one of those, this is probably a really bad comparison, but it kind of feels like 
you know, something's happening. Do you call the non-emergency police line or do you dial 911? Because that is, it's a major commitment if you dial 911 and it feels like a major commitment to go, um, your cash needs archived. Right. Yeah. Good example. A good example of that. Um, I think it is important for you and all of the listeners to know that these archived is not a death sentence. You are not the, you're not the doctor pronouncing, you know, time of death. <laughs> what you're doing is alerting the, the community reviewer that, hey, there's a problem here. He or she is going to look at the geocache and he or she is going to make a decision on what to do with that. And um, they, you know, and what they may do is temporarily disable it. They're going to send a note to the cash owner that says I've temporarily disabled and they're going to give 30 days for that cash owner to do something. And again, that's how you identify who the responsible cash owners are, who the active cash owners are and those who aren't. So, and, and if it gets archived, it is now freed up an area for somebody to set a cache and hopefully a responsible and active geocacher can do that. When you personally mark a needs archive, do you mark a DNF and then maybe send the, the CO a note and give them a chance to respond? Or do you just mark the the needs archived and let it do its thing? Personally, I do, personally, I do the just the needs archived. But some of my friends absolutely do what you're describing. They will send a send an email to the cash owner, or send a message to the cash owner, and said, you know, I've noticed that your cash hasn't been found. Has four straight DNFs. I checked thoroughly, and so forth. Um, and some of them will do that, if especially if they know the cash owner, uh, they will do that because they know that. They know the cash owner and they know that that cash is that cash owner is active so they they may choose to do that instead of the needs archived and i suppose if i knew the cash owner i would probably do the same thing but yeah and i and i do frequently you know since i log on the computer at home i will check and see hey when do, is this cash owner active is this cash do I, if i send an email to them do i have any chance of of getting a, re a response from them. So yeah, great question. This really just feels like a very beneficial thing and very, it, honestly, it feels like one of those things that it just seems like it should be common sense, but it isn't necessarily common sense until somebody points it out to you is kind of what it feels like to me. And, and I would agree with that. I, <laughs> like a, that, a lot it, of what you said, it, it sounds like a lot of just general practices that cashers should be practicing, noting when something needs maintenance or needs archive, noting that you didn't find a cache. And we're not necessarily all good at doing that, even though it, it feels like it's the general rules of the game. Yeah, you know, as you said in your podcast, yeah, you, you kind of hesitate to log a DNF uh, or even make a note that you couldn't find it, but but we have these tools, you know, and, and again, you know, the impetus was people saying, lamenting GCHQ should do something and me responding, wait, we, we have the tools to do it ourselves. Let's, let's not put the burden on them and let's, let's not think that we are going to change, you know, the, the 
tenth of a mile rule has been in place for 20 years and a half, and uh, we're probably not going to change that. So what is it that we can do? Yeah. And then it, and then it really kind of got fun because then it took legs. You know, I started talking about this in our local groups, and uh, the local groups started started doing this and putting into practice. And then I was a guest on a few podcasts and got really nice, you know, feedback. And people kind of like what you were saying. Uh, you know, there was concern about, uh, you know, let's protect those difficult uh, DT ratings. Let's protect the Jasmine concerns which I absolutely agree with, but we could do this. And then uh, one of my personal highlights, and I don't remember what podcast it was on, but they were interviewing Brian Roth and, uh, you know, talked to him for about 40 minutes. And they said, uh, well, anything else? He says, you know, there is one thing. There's this concept of refreshing the game for <laughs> And I'm like, lit up. <laughs> I believe I was right driving home. As I remember, right, I was driving home from doing a little county challenge, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm wide awake now, <laughs> and listening to Brian, you know, again, president of GCHQ, using some of the terms that I've been using, using the term "refresh the game" for it, using same concepts of, you know, this doesn't necessarily apply to, you know, those caches that are out on the trails uh, that get found twice a year because if we replace them out there they're still going to be found twice a year but uh but in the you know in urban areas or on the roads uh yeah this could be something that uh could take legs and uh i was thrilled as a matter of fact at one point uh i got to be on a uh on a podcast with brian and r reagan up in san francisco Oh, wow. Uh, and we were, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we were having a great discussion uh, because R. Reagan is very much interested in protecting those legacy geocaches. Um, and I'm very interested in refreshing the game board, but it's a win-win compromise. I'm not, I'm not saying let's get rid of those. I'm saying let's protect those. Let's make sure they do stay active. But those caches that are not being visited, those caches that aren't very special, those caches that go missing, at least consider archiving them and setting out new things. So in your local area where you've started to see this practice take place, are you seeing caches get archived and new ones pop up or better ones pop up in their place? That's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing people going ahead and uh, and archiving them and popping up new ones, uh, and and then by gosh, we can go find a new geocache without you know, in my case, driving thirty miles to uh, get a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I don't yet have that particular problem, but I do know some people who do, and they have to drive further and further each year to get new geocaches so i could definitely see especially a lot of cachers that have been in the game a lot longer potentially really liking this concept and trying to see it take off more yeah 
you know, because, uh, you know, we're going to, we have a new souvenir coming up. We don't exactly, well, I guess we do know the terms. We have to go find 14, you know, another extension of Wonders of the World. So we're mm-hmm. going to have to go find another 14 geocaches. And because I have geocaches popping up in my area I, that I have not getting, <laughs> because now <laughs> I can go out and get 14 of them without driving to, you know, another county. <laughs> it, it really is working out very well. And so this, what we're talking about, just to make sure we're clear, because I, I can imagine some people might be concerned about this, because I know some people just love their lamppost caches, love those parking grabs, and it's not eliminating those necessarily. It's maybe just updating those or refreshing them and still updating keeping them. that type of cache out there. Right. You know, there, okay. A lamppost cache, there's two kinds that you can set out. You can just put an Altoid tin or a pill bottle under the, under the skirt, and you got a geocache. Or you could make a little village under that skirt and make a cute geocache that somebody's going to give a favorite point. Or you could take your container and make it special and get a favorite point. So, no, we're not talking about getting rid of all the parking grabs. In fact, that's, you know, if you were to ask me what's my favorite kind of cash, my favorite kind of cash is a quick, easy find. <laughs> <laughs> and then occasionally, a really uh, one that's hidden in plain sight very cleverly. But yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying let's uh, turn all these traditional one, one and a half, one and a half into five, five puzzles. Uh, you know, and bless those people who love to get those. <laughs> you know, it's it is the diversity of this game that makes the game so interesting and diverse. I would so, agree with uh, that. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, so yeah, that we're just talking about putting out some new stuff. But you know, but I will also say, you know, along the line, along comes the pandemic. Uh, in my particular area, we could still go out and get exercise, including geocaching. But I had extra time on my hands and, you know, suddenly I'm, you know, looking at some of these one and a half, one and a half that have no, no favorite points for the last six years. And I'm thinking, what can I do with this? And so I did, you know, create a couple easy puzzle caches, a couple multi caches, got a little variety out there and, you know, and and in my opinion, improved the game. And that's great. And, you know, that's, that's the great thing about even lamppost caches is even if you don't consider yourself necessarily a creative person, there are pre-made geocache containers out there that you can get that will fit under a lamppost cache. And they're actually pretty interesting. I've seen one that was like a dismembered finger for Halloween I've seen little ones, little spiders, little bugs around a bison tube or a magnetic. Right. Uh, Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways or even just updating that little pill bottle to maybe a little bit bigger lock and lock for some small swag or something. There's there's a lot of options for people out there who just want to maybe update it. But then part of just the updating would be archive it first and then update it. Yeah. Yeah. Make it at least just a little bit better. Doesn't have to be great. Just has to be at least a little bit better. 
I like that idea. Yeah. And then, and then I have to say, so I've been doing it for a couple of years and it's not as easy as it, as it sounds. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I'm going to go to a new area. Um, I've adopted, I have been given a, the opportunity to adopt a geocache that was set in 2002. Uh, but I figure I, I ought to find it before I <laughs> adopt it. You know, A, I ought to make sure that it's there and B, um, it's a find for me on a yeah. very old geocache. <laughs> so, so go, you know, check out that, check out the caches in the area. And I come across a cache that I'm gonna go get, but it has four DNFs and it's set by a f- good friend, a good geocaching friend uh, who hasn't been geocaching in three years. And, you know, I mean, this is a good geocaching friend that we've actually hiked 22 miles together, picking up geocaches on an area that all the geocaches got archived because it's in a wilderness area. And so it's a good friend. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? You know, it's 55 miles away from me. It's, I don't want to adopt it. I, should I just replace it? And and I decide, no, you know, in the spirit of what I've been preaching, you know, inactive caches that belong to inactive and irresponsible geocachers should not be there. I just went ahead and, uh, you know, did send him a note, which he did not reply to. And I went ahead and put a needs archive on this geocache. And it's in the, you know, it's in that 30 day process right now. And, you know, don't feel great about it, but... It really is, at least from what I've seen, should is what should be done. So, yeah, I yeah. I do think it needs done. I've seen several caches around my area that a um, couple of years ago we had. It it tends to we're by the river. It tends to flood. Basically, every year we get some sort of flooding, and when you place a geocache near the river it may very well go missing. And I was looking at some caches on the map one day, just looking at potential different areas to go try to cache at. And there were several along the river that hadn't been found since before the flood that nobody had even tried to find. It had been over a year and I sent the COs messages and there was no response. And I just kind of watched them and eventually they did get archived, but I didn't, personally mark anything because I hadn't been out there to go try to find the cache. Right. But yeah, there are, you get some cache owners that stay active and respond to messages and maintenance when they can. And, but there's definitely those that just sit and nobody's maintaining them anymore. Yeah. One of the things that happened here is uh, live in Southern California and Ohio. And we had a, uh, couple years ago the thomas fire come through which was at the time it was 750,000 square 750,000 acres of land burned and hundreds of geocaches were in that area yeah so what we wound up doing one of the first people who went out to check on his caches uh it, it was gone and he uh put OOTA, out of the ashes, I covered that cache, 
and then put out ODA and, and set a new geocache. Oh, so we, nice. as a community, that's what we started doing. You know, we would go out on a hike. We would contact all the, all our friends and say, hey, I'm going to go hike this trail. If I come on to one of your geocaches, what do you want me to do with it? And and if the geo if the geocache was gone, uh, we went ahead and created an UDA geocache, and there's over 202 UDA geocaches around our area. <laughs> now, wow. if we found it and the log was viable, we thought, okay, this is a geocache that survived the largest fire in California. We will just replace the container. You know, some of them the container was melted. But we, if the log was viable, we would take out the log, put it in a new container, and that cache lives on. So, wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun experience. That's kind of wild. Forest fires are not something we deal with here in Missouri so much. We get more of the floods. You just kind of don't think about that when you see it on the news, the forest fires and stuff. Yeah, and kind and, of and, aftermath there is for all kinds of things, including geocaches. It's it's kind of not at the top of people's list, I would imagine, when they're talking about forest fires. You know, it, well, it was on top of all the geocachers. <laughs> well, it probably is all the geocachers out there who have, have geocaches they've hidden. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily make the news when they're talking about houses and people evacuating. <laughs> exactly, but our, our local Facebooks are oh my god, you know, what do we do? With these geocaches <laughs> and, and we actually you know i first off i disabled all mine and then i realized that I, I shouldn't do that because i don't know if they're there or not i'll enable them so somebody who's going to hike them can see them <laughs> and then they can tell me if it's there <laughs> and or then not mark there. it if it's dnf or not yeah, it can mark it into the dnf or yeah whatever so yeah so you know, th so that was a little nature forest uh, refreshing the game board. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, <laughs> By God, yeah. it's going to happen one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, but it worked out well. It was it was an interesting exercise. And uh, yeah, and we what we found out is uh, if you had a pill bottle or if you had anything hanging from a bush, it did not survive. Mm -hmm. If you had it under rocks. It was amazing. Even little M and M tubes under a rock in an area that burned very hot, it might melt, but it, but the log survived. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So all of, pretty much all of our replacements are sitting under rocks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lessons learned. <laughs> that works. Exactly. It does. You know what I'm promoting is the idea that people consider these concepts for themselves and for their community. You know, just if you're going to replace, if a cache goes missing, consider archiving it and, and uh, setting out a new, a new geocache, possibly a little bit better. If you have caches that aren't getting hit regular, like they used to get, consider archiving it and setting out something that's a little bit better. And if, if people did that, there would be better geocaches and the game board would be improved. That's the summary. So I, I do have one final question about this. So when you say a geocache that hasn't been hit for a while, are we talking a year, two years? What, what exactly are you re meaning? I think you know, I'm talking about geocaches that are in urban areas that when you set it, 
it was found, you know, 12 times or, you know, in my area, 12 times a year. And then it was found six times a year and then four and two and one. And, it, you know, it might be still getting found on occasion, but it's not getting found with any regularity. And, you know, basically it's a geocache that the only people who are finding it are cachers who are coming into the area looking for numbers. Uh, people who are coming into the area looking for good geocaches aren't going to bother with that uh, one that doesn't have any favorite points or has one favorite point in 45 finds. So that's what I'm talking about. And again, okay. those caches that are out on the trails that are not being found, and we found this with the UDA, we set all those geocaches on the trail. They're not being found very often either because, because of their location. We'll call it a high traffic mm -hmm. area and you're not getting a lot of fines. That's when we should start considering maybe archiving it and doing some updating, some refreshing. Give Give it some consideration. Warning, this part of the show contains spoilers for the cache that is about to be discussed. Well, as you may be aware, we Very do the cache aware. highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Very aware. I have loved listening to your shows. I uh, binge listened to them uh, on a trip I was taking. And uh, yep, very aware of where we're going now. You have graciously agreed to do the cache highlight for us. And the cache is called Tear Down This Wall. Yes, it is. And the cache ID is GC7BA56. The description reads, Welcome to the Reagan Library, a true Simi Valley gym. You will be embarking on the outdoor tour of this beautiful campus, stopping at several interesting sites along the way. There are three ways to enjoy your tour. Audio tour, self-guided tour, geo tour. Secret word. At each stop along the tour, you will be gathering two letters of the alphabet to help fulfill your first of two login requirements. Please take care in recording the letters at each stop. There is a handy worksheet in the map and information document. You may wish to snap photos in case you need to double check your work while completing this logging requirement at the end of the tour. Of course, these spoiler photos should never be posted. Logging requirement. Email the secret word and email or post in your log a photo of you, face not required, at your favorite spot on the grounds without revealing any spoilers of the secret word. This is a reward virtual set by my friend ShareBear64. And I think when geocaching.com decided to reward virtuals, to bring back virtuals, this is probably what they had in mind. Uh, she did this at the Reagan Library. Uh, what makes this extremely unique is that you could do it with a GPS by going to waypoint to waypoint to waypoint. You could print out a map and then take the instructions and she will walk you from waypoint to waypoint to waypoint. Or, and this is the really unique part, she put together a YouTube video so you can uh, either listen to it or watch it as she takes you from waypoint to waypoint from waypoint, you know, saying, uh, here you are and now walk down to the first stop, which is Ronald Reagan on his on his horse, and it like everything Sherbert sixty four does, and I am the self appointed 
president of the Share Bear 64 uh, fan club. <laughs> she just did a magnificent job on this. And uh, let's see, it has how many finds? It has 42 favorite points. Um, and if somebody didn't give it a favorite point, they must not have had any because it really is a fabulous, fabulous job is, that she did with this. It's six waypoints on this it's, tour? It's six waypoints on the tour, taking you to the horse, taking you to a grove, taking you to uh, where there used to be an F-14. <laughs> this is actually a little funny side story. She takes you to all these waypoints and you think, you know, these are going to be here forever, like an F-14. My gosh, five of the six waypoints that she took you to have been removed and taken someplace else, including the F-14. <laughs> so she's constantly having to go back up there and, uh, and redo this a little bit <laughs> to take wow. you to different places. Yeah, but it's it, it's a fabulous it's a fabulous place to walk. It's a fabulous uh, reward virtual, and she actually kind of set the tone for reward virtuals in Ventura County. So other people wow. who have gotten them have done more than just go to a place and tell me you know who the artist is. Uh, we have some pretty good ones. One, unfortunately. Um, it's still active, but quite adjusted because it also burned down in a brush fire. But oh, uh, yeah. So, and for that's... anybody that wants to check this out, if you do it now, she was very clever with this because even if you do go to YouTube and watch the video, my understanding of this is you can't claim. The virtual still because you can't meet the criteria without actually going to the physical location that is correct so she, she added a really neat element to the geocache but kept it to where you still had to stay true to the game and go to the physical locations which is kind of the whole point of geocaching it, it absolutely is she added that little special element that at each of these uh at each of these waypoints, you have to collect a little piece of information and then uh, take these letters and jump, unjumble them into a word and you have to email her that word. You know, it's, it's very, very clever. She, uh, the reason she got this and she got this her first year geocaching, um, she said after, after finding about 700 geocaches, she said the PL series. Uh, which I believe is nine geocaches on a little two-mile walk around her neighborhood. Very clever geocaches, which she does a great job maintaining. And uh, and I think the algorithm that was being used at the time uh, identified her as being, being um, worthy of a reward virtual. And she took it seriously and did a great job on it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that geocache with us. That's a that's a pretty neat one. And I, I hope maybe someday I make it out there to to check this one out because it, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And if you ever come out here, uh, let me know. Love to uh, take you out to, you know, the PL series, this, uh, some of the great geocaches that we have here in Ojai. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And yeah. You, I think you would like it. I would love that. If we ever get 
back to traveling. <laughs> we're, we're on our way. We're on our way. We are. Thank you so much for the cash highlight and for telling us about renewing the game board and for talking with us about this concept today. And hopefully some of the listeners may go out there and at least consider implementing some of this. That's all we can ask is give, <laughs> give it a consideration. And, and at least don't put down those throwdowns, log your DNFs. <laughs> and, uh, and if you think that it's appropriate to put in needs archived, don't hesitate to put in needs archived. You are not the judge and jury on here. Here, You are just the person who's reporting that this needs some reviewer attention. And that is great advice for all of us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and photos, all sent in by geocachers like you. In fact, some of the guests that you've heard on this show have submitted articles to Geocacher Magazine. They have all kinds of neat stuff and publish achievements that are sent in by geocachers. So if you have an achievement you want to celebrate, send it in and they will add it to the magazine. It is really cool. I recommend it. I subscribe to it myself and I love it. Go check it out at ftfgeocacher.com and let them know Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Do you have a topic you'd like to hear more about? Let me know at geocacheadventures.org. Go over to the contact page and you can send me a message there. It has the podcast email that you can email me to. Or you can reach out to ShadowDragon1 on geocaching.com. Geocacheadventures.org also has a store page now. You can go over there, geocacheadventures.org, and click on the store page in the menu bar and check it out. Got some great stuff over there for you.